0: to the attack action podcast with your hosts the battle bros taylor the falcon of the west and isaac (laughs) what's up isaac
1: Nice, really really (laughs) on that
0: oh totally (laughs) you know um when you got a nickname you gotta totally let the people know
1: yeah and then following kieran's lead you gotta give yourself nicknames and strongly stick to them (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yep um we just came off a hot weekend and we have Two special guests today Johnny Blue Razor. What's up? And the uh, Road to Nats champ, Taylor Morrow.
0: <laughs> Some call him the Falcon.
1: Of... <laughs> <laughs> the of the West.
0: <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, yep, yeah, that's right. So, uh, on today's episode, we are uh, going to talk about our weekend at Game Castle um, in Sacramento, California. So, they held a Road to Nats and so we're going to kind of give our three uh, tournament reports um, from that weekend and then move into kind of what the future of Road to Nats is going to look like
1: in the meta moving forward and that sort of thing. Yeah, and just the meta is at a really interesting pivotal point. So we'll, we'll walk through our experiences and what happened and whatever and then talk about um, how we think the game will be looking forward um, just because there, there a lot can happen in the next... Uh, like two or three weeks. Yeah. Pretty, pretty wild out yeah. there. It it's is like the a wild west out there. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Definitely. Cool. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, we have a bit of news we want to talk about.
1: Yep. So go ahead, Isaac. What do you got? Um, so for any of our local listeners, Homer, looking at you, <laughs> we have a Tales of Aria pre-release at Oasis, uh, which is very exciting for us. Most of you, you know, doesn't matter, but this is big big news for us because we, uh, Taylor especially, we've been trying to, you know, get the local scene going to uh, some success and now getting a pre-release event is uh, pretty dope. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, hopefully a lot of uh,
0: new players will be excited about that news and start showing up to try to learn the game more to be more prepared to play for those sweet, sweet prizes from the pre-release. So, also, any Bay Area folks, you guys go ahead and make the journey.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Anybody's welcome. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> okay, cool. Anything else? Yeah. All right. You were going to uh, give us some coverage of the uh, Pro Tour uh, announcement. Boom, you
0: nailed it. So, uh, LSS announced that there is going to be a legit Pro Tour um, with like a million dollar cash prize pool, basically.
2: Well, don't say it like that. It's going to be like, one million dollars!
1: <laughs> that's how the ad feels too. Because yeah. they're like, yep, yeah, we're all in. <laughs> Come win a million bucks.
2: Spread out over a hundred events. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so the Pro Tour is going to start um, next year in April. Is, uh, is when that's going to happen. So,
1: um and all joking aside it is a pretty big deal because I thought it would be spread out um I didn't think this was really much news but then yeah you look into it and you find out like the uh what the the top prize for nationals or worlds is 300 grand mm-hmm. um for one individual so uh well, you know that's a that's a pretty good just like side reward for uh playing the game you love
0: well, it's it's they don't get three hundred thousand dollars. They'll get a cut. The winner of worlds gets a cut of three hundred thousand dollars. Oh, you know you. probably the majority share. But like right. top eight will split. Still, when Still you do a large pile, when you do the money. math and you divide three hundred thousand by eight, you know that's like a lot. Or maybe it's top, you know, yeah. sixteen or something or however that goes. But but the, I mean the large large amount of money. Totally.
2: Yeah, it's like three hundred cases. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the uh, the coolest thing, or just what's really interesting is that uh watsy has just dropped their pro tour, right so there's no more like magic uh in person pro tour anymore there's no there's no more of that so whoa yeah, so flesh and blood really fills that void um for people who that's like a lifestyle and something really important to them.
1: Did they know? give a reason why?
0: Um, I can't remember in their little press release. I th- you know I think it's obvious that they want to just move everything digital. You know, right? Like, like the pro tour was maybe
1: not as profitable as other endeavors for them. Or
0: well, something. just the overhead on a digital game is way lower than yeah. that of a physical game, right? right? So if you're owned by a company that's all about like making money, you know, rather than or, like, making maximum money, right, because every company's there to make
1: money, Uh, then you kind of are going to try to move in that direction, you know. Totally, and that's in stark contrast to the flesh and blood investment in playing in the flesh
2: and blood.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. So, I mean, and that's something I value very highly, and one of the
0: reasons why we play flesh and blood is because we like the analog nature of it and the in-person stuff, you know. Is way better than like playing a, a draft like you see on Channel Fireball, right? They're like drafting the new Magic Forgotten Realm set, um, and it's all online. It's on Arena and
2: stuff, so uh,
1: which is super convenient. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, totally. Well, I mean, aside from that too, I think it's. Um, I mean, the Magic name is 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 very established, and so like, having a pro tour like maybe wasn't drawing many new fans, customers, whatever. Right. Um, so it just. You know the name; it's a household name now. So, like, does it really serve them? I mean, it serves Fair the point. community, but does it serve them as a profit-making company? Right, definitely. Uh Do you have any news, Mitch? Uh, not to put you on um, the spot, you don't have to have any news. I was, I was going to say I poop today, but not yet. So. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh,
0: okay, well, suspense there. Yeah.
2: Um I was wondering if maybe later, if
0: you guys had any like, have you thought about? Like the Pro Tour? Or are you like, well, that's for other players? You know? So I only mention this because a uh, friend of the pod, Hayden Dale, has been uh, public about him wanting to, like, you know, be on the Pro Tour, go to the first worlds, you know, all that stuff. Um, is that any, do you guys have that aspiration at all?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. But, so the reasons I play flesh and blood and my personality does not make me the kind of person that will likely be on the pro tour, right? Like I value, um, kind of the just, uh, relaxing playing for fun aspect and kind of role playing my characters and things like that. So say if Lexi comes out and is very competitive, so that's the best deck, then, you know, I play Rangers. So that's the one that I would pick up. And I would be very interested in playing competitively and doing my best and all of that. But um, I usually don't put in the, you know, just the work. Um, You know, I don't, like, make the time in my life and uh, just, you know, play what deck I think is best in the moment in order to, like, qualify for the Pro Tour. Which is okay. You know, I'm, like, very competitive. When I play a game, I, like really want to win that game and i'm very self-competitive you know i uh if i make mistakes or don't do well you know i like don't feel great about it but um you know i uh i guess i just don't tick enough of those boxes to be a pro tour type person Hmm.
2: does that make sense yeah you know yeah i get it Yeah. yeah i mean kind of i'd have the same answer i i mean i like to deck build and go off meta and like do goofy stuff and hang out my buddies and drink beer um but also just like logistically like we're five hours away from the bear area I don't know I just don't see it I don't know really working out or it would just be like a giant sink of time and money to travel around and do those events I mean it'd be cool but if we're more convenient maybe but I'm a no what about you
0: uh I don't know yet because of all of those uh reasons right like our competitive journey has really just started in person you know and uh, I had a really good result my uh, first time out and I definitely put in all of the work to try to give myself the best opportunity during Road to Nats you know and I'm gonna do um, all the stuff I think that is super, super beneficial to uh, get my goals at uh, the calling Vegas, right? But like some other players can dedicate more time going to all four callings, right? And I'm worried that I might not be able to have the time to even go to nationals, which I qualified for. So um, we will see. It's not without – so, like, kind of opposite of you, Isaac, like, I would have no problem being committed to putting in the time and the effort needed to, you know, kind of, excuse me, qualify for the pro tour and, you know, kind of stay in it and go to a few or what – you know what I mean? Like, to get get in that scene, like, that would not be – the hard part the i think the hard part really would be um kind of the logistics and something else in my life i would have to uh give to less of and that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. uh it's it's on my mind it's definitely a consideration you know but uh will it happen this year i don't know and it'll become harder and harder every year, right? Because people will start to get better and better. And the, uh, you know, edge we have as
1: early adopters of the game will, like, go away. <laughs> yeah. You know? So. Yeah, and, like, just with more people, better players join. Like yeah, the guy who away. won Road to Knots with Bolton in Florida, I watched his video. He started playing in March. You right. Know? it's yeah. like, a very sharp guy. Yeah. But, you know, just yep, started up picked a strong character and built the deck and you know what
0: just went for it so yeah
1: <laughs> we'll
0: uh so we'll see you know i would like to you know yeah. hang out with all the like cool flesh and blood people on the pro tour be sick you know yeah totally <laughs> all those kiwis shooting the shit yeah totally. <laughs> uh anyway okay that's it that's i just wanted to want to ask that yeah no
1: that's a good question Think hey, thanks. It's just tough, it takes like a lot of commitment, yeah. Um, to be you know, and it's like it's really hard. Like, I really, really love this game mm-hmm. and would like to be much better at it. Um, but you know, it's like you have to like, I have to like make money and work on my house, and like I have other hobbies yeah. that I want to make time for, and then uh, yeah, I don't know,
0: yeah. And I'm we'll, <laughs> and part of it too is like having never been to a calling, right? So now I've been to a road to Nats. And yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. This is a level that I am like, uh, can definitely compete in and play at and excel in. And so like the next level up from that is the calling. So to see what that level of play in event is like and see how I stack up there, you know, will be a good barometer for that decision for the pro tour and that sort of thing.
1: Definitely. Yeah. So... All right, let's move on. Um, so if there's no more news, I think we're on to our uh, listener mail segment. Hell yeah. So uh, our boy, super fan,
0: a.k.a. Thor Mike, uh, asked us. What's up, us, Thor Mike? What's up, Thor Mike? Uh, he asked us, variation among heroes versus reps with a hero. Do you guys think one is more important or uh, equally important? So basically, is specializing with one hero versus playing a diverse uh, number of heroes better? Which one? Let's start with you, Mitch. What do you think?
2: Uh, I, wanna, I would say, long answer, both. Um, short answer, I'd say uh, pick one character and, and kind of stick to it. Um, I think it's important to pilot other characters, other classes, just to kind of see, like, what their weak points are, um, what are they trying to accomplish? Like, what are the most frustrating things an opponent can do against you? Um, like, if you pick up a ninja and you go, "Wow, like life sucks when they block a second Kadachi, then like that's really good experience to go into a match against Katsu, or like playing Dorinthia, you know realizing that you need a lot of surprise triggers to happen for Dorinthia to go off. Um, but uh, I mean, I think getting reps in with a deck that, a class that you are familiar with is probably better in the long run. Um, as long as you're happy with that class. <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah. pick something you don't like and stick with it just because yeah. it's the meta. Yeah. What about you,
1: Isaac? Um, totally. I agree 100%. Um, I think your point about... So, like, when I first started playing this game, um, when I... Dorinthia just seems like a mountain, right? And just extremely powerful. But then I played with Taylor's Dorinthia deck uh, two or three times or something, and then you really get the insight into Okay, well, maybe she can, like, blow you out and go tall or, like, have these killer hands. But it's like most turns, if you strip a card or two, then it's like she can swing for this but not get go again or, you know, like, whatever. And you, like, really get an insight into those weaknesses. I would say, though, if you're short on time, I would dedicate yourself... You know, for a few months to just play or get better with one hero, or two maybe, or whatever. Um, again, playing with, you know, you grab your buddy's deck and play, you know, as Chain or Bolton or whatever, just to get a little insight into the mechanics makes you better able to compete it against that deck. But, you know, I think that that's uh, of course, there's limitless knowledge to be gained from both but with limited time, you know, just gleaning some insights by playing with other decks and then uh, getting reps in with your main, I think is really huge.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd say, you know, if you're new to the game, shop around, like, print some proxies for legendary equipment, play casual, get, you know, some time behind the wheel, find out what you like before you go investing a bunch of money into legendary equipment, that sort of thing. Yeah, and, I
1: mean, because specifically for this game... uh, most decks don't really pilot themselves so the reps with one is going to make you much better with that one uh there are some decks that are kind of easier to pick up so if you want to be competitive um you know playing like control mech or control ninja as a second to your main or something is you know easier to pick up than you know picking up Chain or Kano or something on the side. Um, So there are options. But, uh, Taylor, do you want to weigh in on this question? Uh, Yeah, I think it
0: kind of mostly depends on your personality, really. You know? Um, Because I think there's a lot to be said about being really good at playing one hero. You know? And one hero is not even... You know, like Dorinthia and Bolton, although both warriors play like way differently, you know, you know what I mean? So um, I wouldn't say you dedicate yourself to one class, which you could, which then diversifies your suite of heroes. But I think there is a lot to be said about knowing how one hero plays really, really well into a lot of different decks, you know, um, kind of the poster boy for that. Is Kale McCreeth, Right. Um, it doesn't matter what the meta is. He just top eights with Bravo to with wherever he goes. You know, he might not win every event, but he's one of the best players there, and he has been dedicated to that class. Um, you know, since the <clears throat> since the beginning of the game. So um, there's uh proof in that for sure. But then you know, you look at somebody. Uh, like a uh, Matt Rogers or something who has shown that he can play kind of a few more heroes, right? Um, yeah, play to the weaknesses of the meta yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so that's what I think. And if it's. Uh, there's definitely, like you guys have mentioned, merits to understanding what other classes are doing for sure. But. I, I still think that kind of... Now, you don't have to play, like, you know, Bravo for years or whatever, but maybe dedicating yourself to who you think is going to be, like, a really good
1: class in the meta is totally fine. Yeah, definitely. And partly because you... I mean, there's 11 different matchups you have to know, right? Which yeah. are very pretty wildly, I think, is, like, a big part of it. So we're talking about experience... Uh, learning to pilot your deck excellently but also just like every matchup is so different and you need to know your decision points and your overall game plan and all of that and that's a lot of information to learn so that's part of the reps is not just like piloting your own 60 cards it's just it's knowing each matchup and uh the more decision points you have experience with the less you have to make them on the fly and the less mistakes you make Right. Yeah. Totally. So, uh,
0: hopefully that answers your question, Mike. I know not really a definitive answer, <laughs> but uh, hopefully it is uh, helpful in some way. For sure. Yeah.
1: I guess short answer. I would. I would adopt a hero until you get good with them. And yeah. Switch.
0: Because then it makes it much easier. Because I think you learn. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And probably really what I wanted to say, but uh as a great friend and co-host you help me out slash just yourself <laughs> just <laughs>
1: that's what i'm here for <laughs> yeah
0: because um, if you if you get really good with one hero you then learn how to just play the game better and that will transfer into picking up other heroes quicker totally yeah yeah definitely yep. Yep. okay there we go that's our definitive answer
2: Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. And just try to play against as many different classes as you can. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And people too. Yeah. Yeah. You learn so much more when you play people who come in with like a weird off meta deck and stuff, you know, which is great.
2: Yeah. Go to your local shops, mix it up,
0: support the game. Hell yeah. All right. Enough flim flam and flibbity gibbet. yeah <laughs> let's get into the the main topic here so road to nationals game castle sacramento saturday whatever day it was august august 7th fifth, 6th something 7th today's the ninth oh, really? two days ago oh, nice. yeah all, um, right. all right do you want to go first mitch or should i go first or do you want me to break down let's break down the meta first
1: oh sure Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. oh sorry intro
0: no problem. So, so Game Castle, it was kind of one of the smaller ones we've seen, but in the United States. Um, but I think in uh, a place like California slash the Bay Area where there was like, I think there were kind of within distance if you lived in the Bay, there was like three different ones you could go to this weekend. You could go down to Clovis, which isn't too far away, or... Um, the channel fireball store was playing on sunday and there's one at game castle on saturday so i think it kind of split players up so we had 19 players um and there are quite a few classes represented but uh kind of skewed in one way which i thought was really interesting we had uh, one viscerae three dorinthias one dash four bravos five chains two azaleas two prism and one katsu. So, what was really uh, stand out to me is how few prisms and how few katsus there were. Yeah, one katsu is nuts. Yeah, I would have thought there would have been more based on the previous week's data.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, uh, many of the players I talked to at the event, um, just like us, it was their first road to Nats that they could make. So, I think a lot of people just played. Uh, I would say, like, half the players just played a pet deck, you know? Like, is my favorite, so I'm going to play that. is my favorite,
1: I'm going to play that. Um, yeah, it seems like in the... is my favorite, so yeah. I'm going to play that, you know? It seems like in the local meta, yeah, not everybody is totally up on the current uh, standings or performance of heroes, or just don't own every card for every class, or just prefer their hero. That definitely, like stood out more than i mean we did see an, quite a few chains yeah you know who's yeah. new and people know it's good so people try to pick up yeah but aside from that
2: um it seemed like yeah people just kind of played their favorite for the most part mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's difficult to switch classes for the meta i mean you're talking a couple hundred bucks per class yeah for all the equipment to be competitive so yeah
0: yeah, yeah which which totally makes sense so um so that put us at uh five five rounds of swiss before a cut to top eight, that's what we had. So go ahead with what you were going to say earlier.
1: Oh, I don't know. Uh, would Mitch like to go first, oh, or would go. I like to go first? Is that what you mean? Yeah. We're on to yeah, on yeah. the specifics.
0: Yeah, let's uh let's cool. talk let's talk about our experiences. All right, let's hear it,
1: Mitch.
2: All right, you want uh, to walk
1: us through your uh, highlights or things you learned? Sure. On the day?
2: Yeah. So uh, I played Prism, but it's it's a really off-meta weird <laughs> Prism. Uh, I built it to basically to counter chain and just be super aggressive. Like the whole theory of the deck is um, uh, I run Talishar, which is weird. So already alarm bells are ringing. Um, So yeah, no auras, Talishar, all of the best like uh, costs for damage cards. So I'm running Spears of Surreality, Phantasmaclasm, a couple of the Heralds. Um, It's kind of like... If you're into role-playing, it's kind of like, uh, as a child, she was in the library, incurred some, like, late fees, couldn't pay them, went into debt, ended up on the streets, <laughs> ended up, like, fighting kids with rusty butter knives for, like, hard bread, and didn't really learn all of the heralds, and just, like, learned some balloons shit. <laughs> kind of, like, kind of like a Quoth and Tarbine situation. <laughs> if you've nice. ever read Red Name of the Wind. Uh... Anti shout out to Rothfuss. Finish the damn series, man. (laughs) There's your shout out. Yeah, (laughs) got one shout out. One book review. Name of the Wind. Great book. Really worst ending ever. No ending. Um, Okay, moving on. So, uh, (laughs) all right. So I played in Swiss. I didn't make it to top eight. I played five rounds of Swiss. Played Chain three times, a Bravo, and a Katsu. Um, first Chain, a uh, fairly inexperienced player. Um, was kind of like, did things out of order and missed some attacks out of banish Zone and was just kind of like, playing attacks out of banish Zone to like, not incur blood debt instead of like, letting some things ride and build a combo. Um, so that went pretty easy. And then the second matchup was against Taylor here, the champ. Uh, spoiler alert, or we got to that already, but yeah, um, that was a pretty close game. Um, just because we played so many games, it just kind of felt casual, and I can't really pick out specific things about it. But it got down there. Yeah, my only note about that was
0: tense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we both ended up on one life, um, and I can't even remember how I won. But yeah, it was uh, unfortunate to get to play you, but also it was. It was nice to just relax for a round.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. And then round three. Uh, what was that? I think I went to a to the Katsu player. Um, kind of same thing. A little inexperienced. Kind of kind of slow. But I mean, he he was all right. Um, I think he was just really thrown off by um, not seeing uh, auras and just nobody sees spears being played it just just threw a lot of damage at him and put him on the back heel and also a sweet thing about um prism is the phantasmal footsteps the everlasting gadachi stoppers <laughs> you just pitch a card block that second gadachi shuts him down your bluffing soul shield or uh, i also rock a um a piece of ironhide uh, ironhide helm so you can like pitch a card block that second gadachi And then block with one card and that resource for Ironhide on like a surging strike or something, and that's just like or a Torn of Tempo. And uh, I mean, you only get that once, but it's like a huge um, momentum play. Yeah, I think that's
1: pretty cool because the the Ironhides aren't very valuable for most, or very viable for most players. But if you're uh, pitching for footsteps uh, Mm -hmm. in a current strategy, then it just becomes like way more. You can make a soul shield, you can play a soul shield, or you can make a spectral shield. spectral shield you can play soul shield or mm-hmm. you can pop your iron hide
2: yeah so that's cool and that i mean that matchup uh i think we both on to 10 but I, I felt like i had momentum on that one uh okay then th- the next match after that was a bravo uh, that really sucked i just got <laughs> i would yeah i just like ran through my whole deck everything got popped um yeah, I did not really have really any practice against it, and uh, without auras, you really are not presenting a lot of threats. Um, key takeaway there was I think I sideboarded out one of my um, three Phantasmifies because I was like, well, why would I pump something up to get just popped anyway? Um, I was like, well, I'll just use one and use that on my Dreamweaver's turn. And early in the game, I forgot I had three of them. I ended up blocking with both of them, and I went, oh, they're it was my end game and uh, yeah I had Harold your addition late in Arsenal I think he was down to less than 10 so I mean there was like a situation there where maybe I could have gone with a 10 dominate but uh, I think he might have had a piece of equipment but he also had a sigil in hand anyway so it wouldn't have worked out but yeah so key takeaway there is like don't throw away your um, win condition uh, so yeah uh, there's that Um, fourth round, probably the most most educational one was, uh, against Chain again. That was the fifth round. Uh, really close game. Um, what happened there? Uh, just kind of, kind of a damage race, just like slugfest back and forth. Um, he was like really hitting his banished cards just like from the outs, from the off, from the start. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, the pivotal turns were, um... I took a lot of damage, went below ten to play Phantasmify twice into Wartoon Herald for fifteen when he had seven health left. So I was pretty sure it was flirting with lethal. But I was not using Dreamweavers, I was using Nullrun Gloves. And uh yeah, so key takeaway there is bring the Dreamweavers to every <laughs> single matchup. And also bring the Phantasmal footsteps to every single matchup. I had Snapdragons in my sideboard and realized that wasn't the way to go. Um, yeah, and then uh well, what was crazy about that
0: game is that was your like winning in game, right? Yeah, that was so a like in game, so it was
2: a little tense. He was already in, so he, yeah. was, he was much less concerned. <clears throat> right, yeah, because you had
0: lost to me, and I just like helped your strength of schedule, right? Yeah, and he was going to be in, so if you had beat him. I think with Breakers, with 3 and 2, yeah. you would have
2: been in the, the top 8, which would have been pretty sweet. Yeah, the other Bravo guy I lost to also top 8 so I think I had good schedule. Yeah, I was playing at the, uh, I think, 4th table or something. Or table 3. Table You're at table 3, three Yeah, yeah. What um, I wanted to
1: see most was... Because on Kingsley's uh, <laughs> list of Road to Nats results for every hero that top eights, he specifies what their strategy is, like Saber's Bolton or Raiden Bolton, for example. <laughs> so I wanted to see Talishar Prism yeah, I mean, <laughs> in the top eight. That's something to work towards, for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, just to clarify, um, and correct me if I uh, misspeak, but Mitch's strategy is not too Talishar, it's just um by running reds and blues to pay for like a spears and a herald or a phantasmaclasm or whatever um it just makes luminaris less viable and he's not really running iris auras so it's it's kind of a byproduct right or if they pop your spears you can pitch that herald to
2: footsteps and then talishar or whatever exactly yeah Yeah, and then i run a lot i run scars and life just to get that first turn go again so yeah not reliant on pitching yellows for go again thanks Isaac yeah, um, yeah so I got my um, got down to it uh, I was down to one health he was gonna lose blood debt and die because he had carrying husk in there early um, he swung at me for seven I pitched for footsteps and soul shield block seven. E strike for seven. Two <laughs> cards left. Lost by one health. So, I mean, I, I was ranting at these guys in the car the whole way back. Like, ah, command and conquer. Pop my, pop my herald, and then I got e striked. And it's like, if only I had e strikes and command and conquer's like that, you know, I would be so much better. <laughs> Which like is to an extent true, but I think um, the real takeaway there was that I didn't bring the Dreamweavers to the fight, and just. You know, like giving up because you don't have e strikes, command, and conquerors is not. um, It's not really true. I mean, they are really good cards. I think that they are unfortunately like we can go into that whole wormhole. Like they are super good, but like they don't. They're not required. Um, and you can still beat somebody that that has them, and you don't. Um, Yeah, I also made a few
1: mistakes um, because of I guess lack of experience. Yeah. Um,
2: against all in all of these matchups. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I missed a bunch of Tunic counter ticks. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I was like a little nervous. I don't even. I don't own a Tunic. I borrowed one, so I wasn't that familiar with it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, what's surprising was Phantasmclasm failed me like two out of five times, where I look at their hand, they've got no sixes in there, but you have to use it, so you send one down, they draw into it and pop you. And that, that was, like, pretty erotic, fun, funny, but yeah, also not funny. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, so I think those are my big um, big takeaways. I think uh, I'm glad to get kind of, like, the first-turn jitters. I mean, the first-time jitters kind of out of the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there were some competent players there. There's definitely some new guys. Yeah. Um, Yeah, just kind of like the meta was surprising, or I mean, just the who arrived. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. We'll get into the meta breakdown.
1: Yeah. um, Later on, but agreed. Yeah. Uh, How about you, Isaac? What? uh, Um, I just had a couple. Yeah. What are your takeaways here? I just had a couple takeaways. Um, I brought Azalea, and did not make top eight. (laughs) But you know that's okay. I did not certainly did not expect to. Um, But you know
0: to, to. give you credit as well you were kind of in a winning game also despite all odds if the chips had fallen and you had uh beat patrick who i played in the finals um and you know maybe mitch had won also you guys might have made you know there's a world where you can get there you know (laughs) totally albeit like you know up the hill but yeah don't you know i just want to you know shine some some light up your ass
1: a little bit. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, definitely. And it all started like well before that match. Um, so one of my takeaways was in round two, I uh, I played against a Katsu. And I, um, you know, I noticed we were like halfway through the game. I was winning most of the game and he, we hit 20 minutes and we we're, you know, on 20 minutes tw- left. Yeah. And on 23 and 20 health, maybe something like that. I don't know um and you know i i like said something like uh okay we need to play faster um so we don't go to time you know um and then the this player was just playing really slowly the whole game um i think that was just his personality or his play style and um not being familiar with azalea he had to read all my cards and then you know reformulate his plan and all that and um um anyway, sorry Mitch was gesturing to me. <laughs> I got distracted. <laughs> um and anyway, then we got down to 8 minutes and then I called the judge asking, you know, how much time is left and all that. But anyway, the the bottom line is uh I was winning most of the game. It got down to it I was winning like 15 to 3 with a minute left or 2 minutes left and um our game went to time. And I uh I guess the takeaway here is just my lack of experience in these competitive scenes. Um, like I thought me saying something and trying to hurry it along would like definitely be enough, but it wasn't. And my game went to time anyway. Um, which was, again, I like, don't expect to like win road to Nats or top eight with Azalea, but I'm very, you know, I'm trying very hard to like win the current match I'm in every time. So that was like pretty disappointing. Um, I just took the loss to avoid a draw, you know. Um, I didn't ask the guy, but I was unsure if he would like. He wanted to take the loss or what, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. Like to any new players out there, um, because I've run into a lot of new players who are like, "Oh yeah, I had a match go to time or you know whatever," and they like take it kind of lightly or think it's just like part of the game. But um, if you slow play the whole round and then cause a match to go to time, you may be costing your opponent, um, you know, something like a top eight or something they really value. Um, So, you know, I think it's kind of the honorable thing to definitely like hurry it along, but also towards the end to recognize what the game is in your role in, uh, you know, like using your allotted time and uh, kind of adjust for that. Does so that makes sense? Am I being clear in that? Yeah, and a
2: draw is worse than a loss for the loser also. Yeah, it's a yeah. double loss. So yeah. you're really trying to avoid it. So. And I
1: thought, you know, I because Mitch played the same player at some point and uh, their game also almost went to time. It was, you know, definitely not on my end. Um, which, again, in hindsight, I should have just called a judge at like 20 minutes in. Um, but for me, again, lack, lack of experience in a competitive field i guess and just like playing a friendly game for fun um i am not very practiced in recognizing that 20 minutes have gone by and we're each on 30 health i need to call a judge now and have him police the whole match because that just like feels bad to me but um definitely you know hindsight's twenty twenty. 20 um, i definitely need to learn to you know, operate a little differently in a competitive scene. Totally. Yeah.
0: Unfortunate, too, because we had talked about it, like, that morning. You yeah. know, I had mentioned it, that, like, look, there might be new players, and it's totally fine. Like, it's going to feel weird, but tell them to play faster, and if they don't, yeah, definitely. call the judge. You know? I mean, we're, you don't have to be a dick about it. You can just be, like, you know, yeah, talk to them, and they're like, oh, I'm a new player. It's like, cool. Well, if I play slow, let me know. You know, we'll both make sure we're making decisions on the timely manner you know etc
1: definitely and it's kind of hard because i uh you know i thought i did say something and i thought i was monitoring it but it was just like not enough yeah like i didn't communicate it well enough the guy did not understand what was happening or whatever you know yeah. so anyway that's just you know no hard feeling it's like it's fine it's all good but it's just like uh i have a lot to learn about uh tournament settings for sure and um That brings me to my fifth game also. I played against a uh, deep control mech. Um, And we... The other player was, like, very good. And we were both playing just fine. And at the end, we were playing... uh, Oh, nice little soda pop. Cheers, mate. (laughs) Um, By the end of the game, we were playing, like, very fast. um, Because time was ticking down. Um... And our game did go down to, it was three to one. He had three life, I had one life at the end, and it did go to time. Um, But that game was a little bit... I don't know, it's like uh, he was playing just this deep fatigue strategy, which took us to time, essentially. Like, it, it was really kind of neither of our fault, right it was just like he had no way to kill me except decking me out and you know so he could not you know push it along or build for a killer play it was just he had to wait till my entire deck ran out and um so anyway i'm not really sure what to take away from that aside from uh i don't know i guess if you're playing a fatigue deck you have to move really fast From the Mm get-go. Um and so that that match ended, and I uh I just took a pistol swing to give him the win because I was pretty low on my deck. I had a couple more remorselesses um remembranced back in um to get around his red remove unmovable and arsenal. So uh and I just hit him for a dominate eight remorseless to like take him down to three. And there's like a world where I could have done that again, but odds are he would have decked me, um, with the pistols. So anyway, I just like, I was unsure if I, I don't, I don't think I would have made top eight even with that win. I'm unsure. But, um, anyway, that's how that match went. And, uh, (laughs) Sorry, now that I'm talking about this, my takeaway is, like, pretty unclear. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's just, like, playing against that deep fatigue with no, like, wind condition besides mill yeah. um, is, like, pretty tough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it's not like we were playing slow. He, like, he never, like, called the judge or, like, asked me to hurry up or anything. You know, right. just, we are just playing a game and it mm-hmm. went really long. So that's, like, pretty, I don't know. Just playing against deep fatigue with a time limit is... Uh, kind of rough but yeah anyway so that was my tournament experience um i definitely had some like i made a really really bad error in the mechanologist game in which i did not do anything with four cards and uh just gave him full momentum um so i will definitely not be forgetting that error but the rest of my play was like a few of my cards i'll change in my deck but it was mostly just like operating within a time limit tournament setting. You know. hm mm, very yeah. tough for me. Yeah. So anyway,
2: that's what I learned. A lot of
1: logistical
2: uh, <laughs> things from road yeah. to bats. <laughs> Alright, so on to Taylor the you know, one everybody cares about yeah, Taylor totally. <laughs> What everybody's here for. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: so uh, I went eight oh, I was undefeated. One below uh, Brendan Patrick's nine oh Win with chain, so almost as good <laughs> as the Super Saiyan himself, uh, Brendan Patrick. So the deep chain developer.
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we practiced the morning of, and I I beat you with Katsu. So you really went eight and one. Sorry, <laughs> nine games. So
0: hey, that was the tune-up game that got me <laughs> got me super prepared. Um, so before I get into like kind of talking about the games, I um, have individually thanked uh like you guys particularly like five thousand times um, but i want to thank you guys again for like uh going with me and being there you know and and really made it a really great experience and isaac for helping me test games you know leading up to this and that sort of thing and and a huge shout out to colin the people's champ um and thomas uh without them i would have not gone undefeated you know all of our uh weekly testing nights and stuff i mean it, it just really paid off it definitely like you know i didn't i didn't luck into eight o. 0 i was uh really prepared you know
1: right well let's talk about that a little bit like you uh you tested like one or two days a week essentially maybe three sometimes maybe one sometimes for uh you know a month or so. So like definitely good rounds of testing but not an obscene amount of time um spent playing this deck. So run us through like what what you're what you were prioritizing, what you were aiming for, like what were your goals in testing? Oh, okay. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, so it was kind of after to take it way back uh episode 21 I think, Trust the Process where we talked about how to kind of level up and actually test and stuff and, like, improve your play. Sorry if you guys can hear the dogs playing outside the door or any of that chewing on the sorry. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. So uh, that just inspired, uh, I think, Colin after he listened to that episode. And he was like, so do you guys want to, like, enact any of these Things you talked about, you know, guys want to
1: practice what you preach.
0: I was like, Oh yeah, totally. I was about to send you a message. So we set up like, uh, you know, probably whenever that episode came out, you know, two or three months, two and a half months ago, uh, just weekly testing. And then that just kind of evolved into counting the days till the calling and then being like, Oh, we should add more days. And then, you know, I started playing in the mornings with them and that sort of thing so uh so that's how that evolved and then it just turned into in the beginning like okay i have an idea that i want to play uh this deck or that deck and kind of just playing games and getting a feel for the heroes and then um, i settled on chain uh kind of soon after that um and then Just started testing what I thought the meta was going to be. So played a lot against Bravo and Control and Prism um, for a majority of that time. And kind of, you know, tinkered the deck to be able to play into that and change my strategy and just learned and learned and learned. And then in the kind of final three weeks leading up to this past weekend, I started playing more into aggro, seeing how that was kind of becoming more of a thing um and getting better at the mirror and that sort of stuff so um so that's kind of how it went i suppose and then you know it was like talking with colin and thomas about like you know uh what do you think of this card into this matchup i think that really shores up uh this weakness and and that sort of thing they're like yes or uh i don't know maybe you know and then we would I'd put it in for the the next day we were testing or whatever, and we would we would try it out and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, really, they without those two, I would uh, have not been as half as prepared at all, you know. So it was
1: it, they're really really important, my teammates for sure. They're also coming for you. The <laughs> ever Nats coming up.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys are screwed. <laughs> Um, So anyway, so yeah, uh, so that's what that looked like. And it was like, you know, everything we talked about in that episode, I started, as we got closer to the event, I started taking notes about every matchup. I started, um, you know, keeping track of how many attack actions versus non-attack actions versus blood debt versus non-blood debt and writing down, you know, I settled on my core of cards. Uh, pretty early, and then figuring out what cards to cite in um, versus certain matchups and stuff, and started writing that down and fine tuning that and and all of those things. So when I showed up on Saturday, you know, I had all of my sideboard notes and my little keys to myself about what to do in every matchup. So just sat down, introduced myself, and then started citing in my cards and shuffling up, and um, you know, I was really prepared in every every matchup I was in except for probably um the mechanologist finals but I figured it was the same as what I had to do against bravo which was totally
1: true um so that worked so, out I mean that's huge like <clears throat> obviously this is very basic stuff but just knowing your matchups going in like I also had all of my sideboarding written down so I didn't have to think about it you know and I You know, like, I went 2-1 against Chain because I had uh, a plan, right? you know? Yeah. And I uh, I had a... I didn't test against Mech at all, but I had a theoretical plan that I had just thought about beforehand, which that's, like, a pretty tough match for Azalea. But just having a plan got me down to a really close game and, like, worked. So even just... No matter how... Much or little work you put in having some sort of game plan versus not knowing at all what you're going to do is, like, all the difference. And I know that's, like, super basic, but, you know, just if you're taking Bravo and know your deck really well, it, like, really helps to have a specific matchup plan and your sideboard written down. Yeah. yeah, totally. That I mean, that really put me
0: ahead in every single matchup. Right, because when you, know, you sat down you knew what you were going to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No nobody else had notes or anything, and I could tell they were like, Well, I guess I'll throw this card in and, and that sort of thing, you know. Um so and that's not a knock to any of my opponents. I you know, a lot of them were the majority of them were very skilled and knew how to play their deck and that sort of thing, but weren't, you know, maybe ready for,
1: you know, my strategies versus right. them a um, lot of your games were fairly close you just had a very specific plan yeah. that you executed which yeah. is maybe what put you over yeah um all of those close matchups yeah uh, definitely
0: and it's part you know playing chain to your your life is very much a resource and so i'm like pretty okay going down to you know sub five health and still pulling out the game you know um but, you know, when you run the husk, sometimes you're kind of on the clock and you're like, well, got to <laughs> win here, <laughs> you know. But you've you've tailored it to where you know you will win there, like setting up your deck and that sort of thing. So um, you just got to maneuver the game into a, a state that you can win in, you know, which is what I did in every matchup, which means maybe sounds like kind of rudimentary or whatever. But I knew where I wanted to get my opponents and made sure I was keeping track of cards I pitched. Knowing that, you know, once I pass five shackles, the it would be an insurmountable amount of damage and hit effects and other stuff that they just wouldn't be able to handle. And it wouldn't matter that if I was, like, on four health and they still had 12. You know, when you come in for 15 on your first attack or whatever of of your turn, you know, they have to block with some amount of cards. And then you go three wide and, you you know you're ready to go then, you know? So it it definitely wasn't like, I don't think in any matchup except for my fifth round that I like felt that I really like hit the, hit the, the jackpot and just high rolled somebody, you know? And I only feel like I did that in round five. Shout out to Jake, uh, AKA Ruby. He's a, uh, content creator. He also has like a fab foundry affiliate link, um, really good Bravo player. That was probably my toughest match, um, you know. But I I just got fortunate that I could set up uh, triple red riftbinds with double howls, you know, <laughs> which was pretty brutal, uh, and summoned Ursa and all of that stuff. But I mean, it's it's because you know uh, when you play against control where they just give you four cards all of the time, you can kind of just like do what you want on your turn, and you know they're going to block out, so you can really set up your deck. But we can get into that,
1: yeah, kind of, kind of later and stuff. Um, so I guess what would you like to share about your experience in this tournament, right? Like, uh, standout matches, standout matchups, you know, games you want to walk us through. Uh,
0: well, Swiss was pretty rudimentary, I think. Uh, I mean, I definitely was like pretty nervous. Uh, in my first matchup um, against Dorinthia I played a pair of brothers throughout the day um, and they were great shout out to Freddy um, and John uh, but uh, that that was kind of dicey more because I think I was like nervous and uh, he was kind of running an off meta uh, Dorinthia situation where he was like sidestepping and that was like kind of damage I wasn't prepared to take I guess I don't know you know um but uh, I, the you know, other than my really t- tense game with Mitch, I think then my next, you know, my toughest matchup or game for sure was the final round of Swiss, Swiss um, where me and Jake were both undefeated. Um, and I knew he was a really good Bravo player and I'm sure he had like a plan and stuff, you know. And when he presents my deck to cut, you know, I'm like, this is like 75 cards, you know, yeah. as I cut it. And hand it back to him, so I was like, cool, he's that's what he's going for.
1: Um, yeah, totally. So, we'll talk more about this later, but you yeah. kind of prefer the control yeah. matchup yeah. to the aggressive matchup. So, I guess, aside from Jake being such a good Bravo player, or what, what about him being such a great player made this match really tough, despite being kind of one of you've, your preferred matchups?
0: Yeah, totally. I, I definitely prefer the control matchups because it's just so easy to set your deck up and just blow them out. Um, and, the, and a lot of our testing was done trying to uh, perfect the list for that. Um, uh, but Jake was just like really good at calculating how much damage I theoretically could do and how much he could take. And, uh, you know, he saved his equipment blocks for super, super late and he just did a really good job, like blocking my attacks for efficiently. Efficiently, yeah. yeah. He was just really efficient, and uh, he also had a game plan. But um, you know, like I said earlier, when you just do that, it gives me a ton of time to just like, you know, okay, I'll prioritize E Strike here with this Red Rift Bind, put that down. Um, you know, in little efficiencies, I've learned like, oh, we'll play how from Beyond. And then we'll play uh unhallowed rights and just put that howl from beyond right back on the bottom so you get to see it twice you know uh which is freaking sweet <laughs> like just so much value out of that card um for those types of things uh, yeah like in
1: an aggro matchup it might be over before you see your final turn yeah but in bravo you you get to play the howl twice <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly which you know
0: also uh helps you play around snag late game too if you're pumping it with howl rather than uh seeds, you know. Yeah, pumping rift bind. Yeah, pumping yeah. rift binds, yeah. So that's kind of your end game against uh control is you're trying to set up double rift binds with howls and you know, try to mix in some arcane damage and then like especially against Bravo, you can hit him with invert and then summon Urser, you know, to yeah. f- to finish up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just have like a gigantic weapon to swing at them every single turn. Um, or they have to kill it, you know. Which is what happened in my game against... I guess that was uh, kind of a highlight is that I summoned Urser, and he just wasn't sure how to handle that. So he held on to two cards and took Urser damage. Um, well, he had to take Urser damage. And then next turn... Uh, you know, I came at him with three attacks again, finished up with Urser and he took more Urser damage to hold on to some cards to hammer him, hammer Urser for six, which was just awesome. Because then it was like, I just gained six health and did, you know, nine damage,
1: which was just so, 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 so much value. Totally. It's like a lose-lose situation. When you save Urser to summon late at the opportune time, yeah. right, yeah. then... I have to keep blocking six free damage every turn, which is not the way to win. (laughs) But then, yeah, like you said, I have to take six more damage to save two cards to to then pop Ursa. It's a twelve point swing. Yeah, Yeah, so even if Ursa just attacks, you know, once or twice, it's, like, worth it because you you have to factor in that, that extra damage you get through.
0: Yeah, totally. And I wasn't on a life total at all. I mean, I ended the game on 19 health. Yeah. You know, so I wasn't at a life total at all where he could threaten anything by sidestepping Urser with that damage. Um and then the final turn of the game was uh he was on three health. Uh you know, it's after the double rift bind, after Urser, you know, I'm coming at him, boom, boom, boom. I have my uh fourth I think third or fourth attack on the combat chain or whatever, you know, he's out of armor at this point and it's just nebula blade for four. Um, and he, all he has is a card in arsenal, um, which was totally fine. Cause I was like, okay, cool. He'll either, he'll block it here and then he'll just have no cards on his turn. Um, and I'll get to invert him, uh, you know, and take him down to one. And then he'll be like even closer. Cause I had invert and banish. Uh, But it was a Sigil, so he he couldn't block it. So he was on three life, played Sigil, goes up to six. And then I just played uh, invert on top of that. And then, you know, that's the six damage that he's going to, that he needed, or that I needed to take him out. So pretty close, very close game.
1: Yeah, that invert is, it's just really good when your life, you the chain player's life, is uh, not super threatened Right. Because then once their cards are stripped, you just do two more damage on call. Yeah,
0: totally. If, uh, it, if it, you have
1: the life to just let it sit and banish until that opportunity arrives. It's like definitely my favorite card yeah. in
0: Monarch. Coolest art, coolest effect.
1: You know, it's just freaking sweet. <laughs> yeah. I think you're getting some uh, reckless swing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, vengeance. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Inverting you on brute is like
0: the highlight <laughs> move in the game. It's like, ah, suck it, you know? <laughs> Um, and then so then I was the top seed in uh, in the
1: top eight.
2: Right. So you get mm-hmm. to choose to go first. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, another random kind of tournament question. There was a couple of judge calls at your table throughout Swiss. Um, I don't You know, I'm going to the details, but just what was it like? Did you have to call the judge like? I, I think most calls weren't, um, against you, but just, you know, were you nervous about like having them come over? Like, you know, what was that like? And,
0: uh, no, it was totally fine in round one, just cause I was nervous. I drew too many cards, you know, and, uh, we'll never do that again, <laughs> but it was like, you know, my opponent got to discard one of my cards, which he got a red howl from beyond, which was pretty sweet for them, you know? Um, but it was okay. And I got a warning. So if anything else happened, um, Oh, you got a hallowed target. <laughs> no, it gets banished face down. Oh, okay. So sure. I don't get the okay, blood sure. debt and okay. Don't, okay. Get a, don't get to use <laughs> it. Uh, and then I think the only other time was... It wasn't about me. It was for the other players, you know? Um, so it wasn't... That,
2: that was a deck check, right?
0: Yeah, one of the players I played uh, had his deck list wrong. So he got uh, an intellectual uh, penalty penalty.
2: Yeah, yeah, so yeah, just, yeah. Make sure your deck list is right and don't bring any extra cards. Please. Yeah, yeah, totally. So
0: that that was part of it. And then um, I don't think the judge was called in any other match or anything like okay. that. Yeah, but um, you know,
1: yeah, and uh, it, was, it was fine. Just on that note, really quick, part another thing I learned was because I was like uh, in my same you know uh, went to time ninja matchup because I was like pretty much winning or felt in control the whole game Uh, there was a couple plays where he's like oh block or you know block with this oh i can't block with defense reactions okay then i'll just block with these from hand but he had already passed defense moved to reactions you know and i kind of let it slide because i thought i was just gonna win the match anyway but then we no i did not (laughs) yeah so um Definitely just even in a casual, it just felt really casual auto win for me at the time. And, uh, you know, he was like a nice guy. So it was just like, well, whatever, I got it anyway. Um, Again, in hindsight, call the judge. And all all you professional players know this already, but I'm just sharing for um, all of our listeners who like maybe going to a Road to nuts and it may be your first tournament setting or whatever. It's just like, you know. Don't be me who's looking back and being like, well, <laughs> I should have, like, not let them block with this or yeah. called the judge for yeah. this or whatever. Yeah. You know, because it's just, like, not worth it. And honestly, if, like, you're slow playing somebody, you're at fault even if, you know, right. you yeah. feel like it's...
2: uh Yeah. I mean, those mistakes are tough and, you know, everybody makes them. But, you know, if you make them and you suffer the consequences of them, hopefully you'll learn that lesson and remember it and, yeah, you know, definitely. and play tight, you know? Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That is one thing I wanted to mention about playing tight. You know, Uh, that was like, I think my my mental state coming into this was also really, really important. I know I'm just monologuing here, but, you know, you only win maybe, I don't know, every road to Nats. So you can do this this every podcast. Just Just kidding. It's just gold. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. Yeah. So my mindset (laughs) was like, you know, because we had that podcast with Hayden Dale talk, you know, we talked about like. Uh, your competitive mindset and that sort of thing and you know how to handle losses or less than ideal results that you wanted etc you know so it got me just thinking about my wealth of experience in uh, traditional sports um, and how i normally think about coming into playing a game or coaching a game and i always feel you know 95 percent of the time super competent confident in my ability and my game plan and that I'm going to win and so I just did that this weekend I told myself like I know exactly you know I've done all this preparation so I should just feel confident that I'm going to win you know and and so it started there and then I just told myself like okay Don't think about winning the whole thing. Just be present and play tight in every game. And then that's what I just did. You know, I went after the fourth round when I was 4-0 in the bathroom, like going pee. I was like, oh my God, I'm definitely making top eight, you know. And then I just like squashed that and was like, nope, you have to stay present and play tight, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I made top eight and I just was like, cool, this mindset has kept me going and I will just keep doing that you know definitely which is a very good
1: uh succinct description of yeah. um you know why you win because like again in stark contrast to me it's like i go in because if i like go into a soccer match or whatever and somebody like cheats or fouls you you're like gonna call them out on it or like yeah you know foul them pretty hard back or you know whatever it's yeah. like very competitive but i kind of go into this as, like, a board game, not a sport, right. which is, like, a huge mistake right. going to a Road to Nationals event. So, like, that um, difference, you know, really yeah. shows, like, your and also your mindset of, I don't know if you know, it's, like, uh, all other things being equal when two people go into a, uh, you know, a problem or whatever the person who feels challenged versus feels threatened, right. the person who feels challenged performs better yeah. every time. And um, it it definitely shows, right? Like you need to feel um confident in your gameplay
2: and especially keep it tight, like yeah. you said. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And I mean, when we say keep it tight, I don't know, I mean, a few things that come to mind is just like say every priority phase, like opening, okay, I need to take my tuna counter. Yeah. Moving to actions. Yep. I'm attacking you moving to reactions. Like yep. don't just go to your defense reaction without establishing that you're not blocking. You right. know? Right. So which
0: which happened in my first round of the top eight. My opponent had that mistake. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's
2: just talking through every phase, even though it's like kind of redundant and like Yeah. But like it helps. And it yeah. helps remind yourself too, like, okay, I attacked, moved to reactions, like, oh yeah, I need to pop my Snapdragons now. Right. You know. Yeah stuff like that and
0: and little things like i made sure to set my cards down at the beginning of my opponent's turn every time you know so i wasn't looking at my cards only and just only listening to them and looking at my cards and thinking about my turn because the context of like you know what they're also doing like you know hammer for four No resources floating one card in hand, you know, you can just say like that's probably a defense reaction or something, like look at your life totals and then look at your hand, like can I just take four here? Or is my threat level still gonna be fine blocking with one card and not taking an unnecessary four damage? I can only Mm -hmm. take I just take one here, you know. Yeah,
2: and if they've got one card, one card in arsenal probably a pummel yeah and it's going that hammer's going to 10 yeah
1: could be could be that
2: you know that's a tough one because a lot of times you call out the
1: bravo player and it's not a pummel <laughs> yeah but you're staring down 10 damage and you're like Ugh. yeah do i have the balls to call you on this totally <laughs> uh
0: so i guess the top eight will like go through the top eight really fast here yeah totally what uh so where I'd do you want to start Well, let's start at Quarters, which is where it starts. Um,
1: Oh, sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So Surian, shout out to him. He's a listener. Uh, Great player. Really great match. Um, It seemed like his game plan was to just, like, fucking blast me with crippling crushes and shit, which he did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wow, what the hell is happening here? Uh, I'm ahead 33 to 24 or something like that. And... I don't know, only have three or four shackles or
2: something. So not really. In uh, I don't want to pronounce shackles. Oh, sorry. As in chain shackles or chain shells, chi shells, <laughs> down by the chi chores, shirtless.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Go. Proceed. <laughs> shirtless. Got it. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't really uh, like set up yet. And then he like crippling crushed me, you know, and you're like, oh, you, you just have husk. You use it. No, i run Aether Ironweave in that matchup. Um, it just like you're expecting the control
1: yeah because yeah, i'm totally... gonna like
0: just push it helps me push the damage through and you're usually on lower life which i was kind of like blocking his hammer swings a little bit to just like you know not get too low uh and just was in a little bit of an autopilot mode which was my mistake because i should have recognized that he was trying to set up a bigger turn um and should have gone lower so like with aether iron Weave. And if you're on lower health with Skull Cap and Grasp, uh, that's five defense plus a card from hand uh, equals eight. So you don't get crushed on Crippling or um, you can also stop Spinal Crush, right? If they're like trying to enact that strategy. So definitely a mistake by me, Um, but my life total is high enough that now I was only down by I just took the crippling, you know, and just went down by two points of health since I had the health. So it was kind of like, okay. And I saved my armor, dealt him um, some more damage and stripped some cards um, for a couple of turns. And then he like tried to crippling crush me again. And then so I was on low enough life where I just blocked it. And he was like, huh, okay. You know, and I just kept things rolling. He did a good job. Like I banished invert early. And so he just pitched all his non-attack actions which was sweet because I was like, great, those are going to come up and you're going to have nothing to attack me with, Um, But uh, which is where the game state was going for sure. Uh, But on the turn that I beat him, I was going to beat him no matter what he did um, because one of his cards was Staunch Response, so that only is going to block one of my attacks. Uh, I was gonna go four wide that turn with uh, seeping shadows and uh, um, he misplayed and thought he he was confused on the life totals because he had like two th- things he was keeping life totals on. Uh, and so he blocked and then passed and I passed and then he you know said, oh, take this much and I was like, uh well you're uh dead or whatever or go to one or whatever and he was like what i'm on 7 i was like no you're on 4 you have it written down there and he was like oh and then tried to block with another card from hand and i was like ah you we both passed like you, yeah you totally. don't have priority it's, it's my turn to play and he was like uh oh okay uh so we were still in the defense reaction step so he played staunch response and then only had one card in hand and then yeah. That's all it wrote. But because he had staunch response, he was gonna like block three right to your four wide. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Totally. Um which was unfortunate for him and it sucks to have lost that way, you know. But uh it also doesn't help if you sit there and go, Well, I was gonna beat you anyway, you know. Also, Syrian, sorry if you're listening to the cast, my friend, right now. Uh you played really well and I actually thought you were gonna beat me. <laughs> But, you know, I did. I played tight and, you know, knew what my outs were in that game. So, really good uh, bravo game. And then, let's see, I got a bunch of notes here. Uh, Then I finally played, I dodged all of the chains all day long. And I played uh, Jake, who I played his, or John, I played his brother first round. Um, And this is in semis. And we played chain v chain, you know. Um, And it was an okay game. Like, I definitely had tech in my deck to beat chain in the mirror, you know. Um I also ran Aether Ironweave in that matchup because that just helps you keep tempo and you can block some hit effects. You don't need the husk where uh if he if he does kind of high roll me and I have like you know husk damage, I the margin is kind of thin, so I just didn't want to uh have it come down to that, which he did. He blocked husk uh at like 20 with his husk at you know mid twenties health or something like that. So I got like, you know, you know, th- three damage out of the husk, um, which was a big factor. Um, and you know, it was kind of the classic like, well, it's just a uh, roll of the dice, huh? You know, like uh, it's uh, it's just random who wins that matchup. And I was like, yeah, maybe, but in my like head, that's how he felt. Yeah, that's yeah. how he felt i was like that's definitely not how i felt like i had specific cards in there uh for that matchup and knew what my game plan was like uh you know one of the last minute changes i made was blue meet and greet because in the mirror they take most of you know they take all of your arcane damage so it has go again you know and i've run the reds too and those overperformed in that matchup you know so i was able to go you know swing in for 12 rather than like eight or maybe even seven or something like that so it just made my turn so much bigger
1: right so you're running like you already mentioned aether right because you can with one card in aether you can still block consuming volition or whatever you don't need a husk and then aether is much better yeah um and then you run blue and red meet and greets yeah and then you also side in rift binds or Rip Through Realities. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a chain player. <laughs> you side in Rip Through Realities just to really overly punish uh you know other chain players who are not going to block the arcane. So you yeah. you're pretty teched for this match that was one of the ones you're most worried about because of the super aggro mm-hmm. um little bit of randomness yeah. in your deck um yeah. kind of risk like makes it a riskier matchup. So you you had quite a bit of tech for this. Yeah, in in that exact like
0: uh, dichotomy came up right. The consuming volition, the meet and greet happened in that matchup. Like I took arcane damage. He finished his turn with a consuming volition, and so I just blocked it with uh, a card and some equipment, and it didn't matter. Whereas if that was meet and greet, he could have sequenced his turn better. And then he like gets a card maybe and a piece of equipment maybe, and then threatens even more damage, which is what I like consistently did, you know? Um, and so I felt like actually pretty fine in that matchup. But I mean, that being said, it's still like, he still could have just actually high rolled me and I would be maybe, you know, not, not the champ, but um, I gave myself the best opportunity to to win that game for sure right yeah
1: and i think that's something that you might admit like because you're just playing chain aggro right it just feels like you're just trying to outrace them but like knowing your those specific matchups and your armor quantities right like chain has quite a bit of armor um to start out to stop x amount of like hit effects like consuming volition yeah. right so you know that against bravo you need the husk to stop the errant crippling crush right and then you know that well you, you, don't, you don't need it you need uh, right, husk right, right against dorinthia right, right. You know? against yeah. dorinthia yeah. right know, that's bravo. a better um and then yeah you know that all of your armor against bravo can stop the crippling and then the yeah. aether pays off like those very because um, those are like the difference between you know one armor like four or five or six armor is like a huge deal yeah in each matchup yeah
0: and i you know i would also there's a caveat like if i was going second in the mirror i would run husk because that actually allows you to pivot right right? which you need to do um just giving away all the secrets which is totally fine because the meta is going to change here anyway by the time i go to another road to nats, you know or the calling or whatever so it's like totally if you haven't figured this shit out already
1: you're like not (laughs) going to
2: do this <laughs> yeah, so just should we pivot into like pure meta talk now about Jane well, let's hear about the
1: rest of the, the matchup
2: yeah first. I have one matchup and oh, we already it. know
1: what happened
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, play, I played Patrick on Dash uh, and again he went for just like a super deep fatigue strategy and I he, have he ran Matt Rogers list yeah, yeah, yeah and I did not have any experience we didn't test against Dash at all but I just used like the same list I did for Bravo which was my plan um, and it worked out. I mean, it got kind of dicey for a second because he played like double sigils turn two and went to 46 health. And I was like, oh, shit, how am I going to get through this? But I was fortunate to uh, what felt like the mid game, but which was shackle number s- five or six. Shackle number, shackle number five or six. We all um, have to
2: make adjustments, you know?
0: <laughs> and he was still like, you know, we. He was maybe still in the 40s on health, and I was still in the 30s. So I was like, I'm going to get decked for sure,
1: I thought, in this game. Yeah, I walked into the store and saw it was like 34 health to 32
2: (laughs) and six shackles. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah, totally. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
2: Uh, I I was worried you are going to get decked there for a second.
0: Yeah, and so the the pivotal part was I thought I was going to make a mistake. I saw him pitch Combustible Courier the turn before, and I was like, sweet. He does not have a six, I guess. Or it's unlikely because his deck is like 74 cards or whatever. And so I flipped over enough cards and Eclipse to summon Urser. But uh, when I came in with the first bit of Arcane, he had pitched a blue. So he had resources floating for another Seeds. And I was like, not going to get the value out of a Seeds. And I was really worried about that singular point of damage, mattering, etc., but I just went for it. I was like, you know, he just doesn't have the gas to deal with Urser So I'm just going to summon Urser and attack. And, and it's either going to be he's going to take a bunch of damage and then kill Urser which is fine. Because it's going to allow me to just set up my banish while Urser attacks. And I use some other cards. Or... Uh, he's going to have to deal with it the whole time. And then I also set up my Banish as well. And so he kind of did a little bit of both. He like dealt with it and then like had to take damage and then used his Goliath Gauntlet with another uh, attack action to kill Urser. And that let me set up my Banish. And then it was kind of all over as well. And seeping shadows, you know, again that card I didn't really play it until the top eight. It was in my list playing it, but I, I just didn't utilize it until the top eight. And seeping shadows got me around his armor block for a f- third or fourth attack. I can't remember at this point, mm-hmm. and
1: uh, got the win. So nice, yeah. Yeah, it looked like he was running unmovables too, maybe. Which yeah, he did. Um, he read unmovable. You know, can, me. can block a big red riftbind turn, but if you arsenal an unmovable mid-game and you're just going wide, that's, like, pretty inefficient. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just for cards. Totally. So, mm-hmm.
0: So there you go. I went 8-0. I was a champion. Great job. Totally. We were in Sacramento until 9.30 at night. It was insane.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did not think that was going to happen, but anyway. Totally. Well, any last, uh, I guess, points or takeaways you want to share, or do you just want to kind of pivot into talking about um you know the strengths and weaknesses of chain um you know what the meta looks like what we what we think it'll look like moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think I've said I think everything I wanted to say about that. Um you know, we can pivot into that. You know, we we saw um I have it pulled up here. In in just the United States, right? Um we have 10 chain wins out of the uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, I think, maybe 15, Uh, wrote to Nats this weekend. Right. And so 10 of them were won by chain. Which is a much higher percentage than had happened previously. Yeah. So now he bumps up into being the most represented character in the top eight and the one who's won the most,
1: right? Right. So let's, um, listening to some flesh and blood media, um, in the past couple weeks, um, I had heard a lot of, and like good players and stuff, discussing how, um, you know, for example, oh, Bravo has a great place in the meta because you just hard control counter chain and that's great. And then, you know, other matchups or whatever. And it seems like everybody's approach up, up through now has been to hard control, try to counter chain. Um, however... Like playing against you in our matches, um, I found kind of the opposite to be true. And you have told me that you prefer very much um, the control matchup to an aggro matchup. So do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, Chain's performance against these two different types of counters? Well, I definitely think that a
0: consistent aggro deck from turn one gives Chain uh, the run for his money for sure. That's a lot harder for Chain to deal with um, than it is for just blocking with four or five cards every single turn. Because like I said, it just allows Chain to like take their time and set everything up. You know, there's like no urgency whatsoever. And you have plenty of cards that hit break points that are going to like deal some damage and you're dealing mixed damage, you know. So as long as you have a game plan and are prepared for that, um, you're, you're
1: gonna be fine, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, Because Chain, in the first couple of turns, like, most of his cards are, um, like, below, um, like, the cost curve. I mean, like, they're kind of expensive for the damage they do. Um, so I think the time to get him down is, is early, because the threats he presents are not as good as yours, generally speaking.
0: yeah. And I think something like Dorinthia does a good job because, you know, I mean, you have the Husk, which is, you know, kind of an equalizer in that matchup, but it is kind of the one class that, like, can quickly outpace you um, because of Dawnblade, right? Um, And and that matchup takes a lot more skill, I think, than some other matchups. It's just that Dorinthia has a really bad place, in the meta because there's so many bravos because of the deep control tactic against jane spills over into controlling
1: Dorinthia. yeah
0: totally and then if dash is around and Dorinthia isn't ready to play into dash and have gigantic turns then uh dash
1: also just like smokes that deck you know yeah totally like Because, again, that's what I've been paying attention to lately, because what we found in our play testing, right, is like if I just play deep control, you know, sigils, all the defense reactions, all that, um, you know, I just lose every time. And uh, I think part of I think I think chain's um, biggest strength is that basically you see your entire deck over a game and the opposite deck only sees 20 out of 60 cards. So even if you're running a bunch of sigils and defense reactions, you're only seeing, you know, twenty or twenty-four cards. So running three sigils maybe see one, right? You might see um, you might see more, you know, right? Right, but just like odds are like chain has the opportunity to attack with everything he wants and set up the bottom yeah. and go through it. Yeah. At the um, most you see half your deck as yeah. the control player at most, totally. for sure. Yeah. And but with aggro, if you're Taking an aggressive strategy against Chain, it seems that, I mean, it's like certainly not favored for you. Like, Chain's a very good deck in, in <laughs> many aspects, yeah. but you're cutting the last two Chain turns out of the game. So, those like back to back 30 damage setup turns are like not a factor anymore. Like, you might lose, you might kill Chain, but it just seems a little bit more even of a playing field to try to, you know, hit effect control and race than to just. Let the inevitable come. Um, and, I, you know, it, it just seems like, based on what I've seen, it seems like most chain players were not ready for the deep control, so that has been the hard counter. But now by, like, um, your results and uh, Brendan's results that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure he has a similar um, prepared strategy for control. Um, just going 8-0 and and 9-0 and against, um, you know, something that everybody is quote prepared for with deep control just shows that that is not it's just not working it's not the way to go right like people have to move off of this to combat chain otherwise the next couple weekends are just going to be almost entirely chains win yeah or or then like i think there's a world too
0: where bravo moves out or maybe changes up his strategy right right. because that could maybe get aggressive with rouse and out muscle and the hammer and that sort of thing
1: yeah, and just like disable and pummels and stuff, like pretty good hit effects. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Um, but if that if Bravo moves out a bit, I think that allows Prism to move in, and that can be kind of a tough matchup where you're the Luminaris just you know consistent heralds every single turn can be can be really really right, right hard yeah. to hard to beat. But I mean you know uh the difference between Brendan and Mai's list is i he had uh three command and conquers where i did not uh think that that was a good enough card um in my deck for what the for what the meta was going to be so i did not have it so if there were more prism represented i don't know and i had seen one you know it's hard to know what would really have happened, you know. I, I'm, I am prepared for that matchup and have a game plan for it and stuff, but just the fact that they could just, you know, blast you from, you know, turn one is hard to deal with for sure, right, yeah. you know.
2: I think Katsu's also got a good chance to... to yeah, definitely aggro Katsu. Yeah, or, or like kind yeah. of a, a mid that can pivot to aggro. Right. Um, I think... Uh, from playing chain three times uh, in the in the tournament, I think my favorite moves were uh, sink belows. I think that four break point is really important against chain, um, especially like against like nebula blade and beat and greet all those sort of things. Like turning those off at four is pretty important. And then my other thing that I thought maybe you can answer this better. I think pitching a blue to block the first arcane is is a pretty good play. Because I think it really limits his options to go wide and makes it harder to play around. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, I
0: any deck that's going to do that, I don't side in the cards where the arcane damage is important. Uh, or that, like, that threat is there, you know, like i am okay with you like pitching a whole card and then me just saving any of my other arcane damage for a later turn where you just like don't do that you know because now i've stripped a card that blocks for
1: three for with one damage you know so
0: i get i feel like i get the value
1: out of that more than you do you know i think to mitch's point though because i think this is an interesting point right is like he's talking about Um, like, combating you with his uh, Prism deck, Mm -hmm. so, like, an aggressive strategy, but pitching a blue um, to block your Arcane throughout the turn. So turn off all those hit effects, and then... But with his aggressive strategy, your life is less of a resource to just, oh, I'll just save all the seeds for next turns, because taking that Blood debt might actually add up towards the end. So agreed, like pitching a blue in control is kind of tough because you're like, uh, if I pitch this blue, then I only have three cards to block and you can just save the seeds for next turn. But in this like uh, more aggressive tactic, I think that's more of an interesting point. Yeah, and especially with sense.
2: Prism, then you can turn on Footsteps also. and, and right. block. Yeah, David, it does, does is, make sense. Cool. I
0: just don't think okay. that is enough of a... Because then I'll just wait and get a break point of four for my Arcane Damage right so then i'm coming at you for 4 and 4 and you have to block with two cards on one of those you know to take zero damage from one source so it you just got to be uh heads up in it cuz definitely early right i was like an idiot like oh i'll just play my seeds cuz that's like what my habit is and you're just like pitched a blue and you block one and you block one and i thought that was for whatever reason an okay use but really then you're like using one card for three of mine right Mm -hmm. so i might as well just save them to where that uh doesn't happen you know you find a window with your arcane damage which against i think some people that is like the way to go and you just wind up blocking and they don't adjust their strategy and that sort of thing for sure but i think when you get when you get into it um you can also play around that as well is what I have to say about that. Um, what I I think that now after this, so I think in the US, the meta is going to move slow, right? Like, I think it's going to be a couple of weeks behind what it's going to be in a place like New Zealand where the majority of players, like you can see that, you know, at Card Merchant, they had 95 people, right? So like the majority, like a lot of competitive fab players are going to mini Road to Nats, so, they can make iterations way quicker.
1: Also, a lot of those players are like they have a lot of competitive players and a lot of players who have been playing for quite a while. Yeah. And are able to pivot between a few different heroes and maybe own all the cards for those heroes yeah. also, I think. More than, you know, I would just assume like in, you know, Sacramento or right
0: wherever. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, we have a big country and it's hard to travel around, you know, and kind of, you know, have the meta be. Sp- change so much
2: yeah and maybe you know maybe there's more since there's a bigger community there's more likelihood of there being kind of like friend groups teams who are like i'm thinking i yeah. running this can you lend me some cards can yeah. you lend me your equipment yeah. like yeah. you know and that allows people to adapt right more easily yeah like uh definitely
0: it definitely does because that's what we're doing you know sharing yeah. cards and stuff What you got to do but like i think in washington right their first road to nats is this next weekend you know, they haven't had one yet. So uh, are the, the question is then if you're going to that, like, are you looking at the results and going to change accordingly? Right. Or is this like your this is your first road to Nats and you're going to say, like, I'm going to play my pet deck. And then that kind of warps the meta a little bit. Um, you know, who knows what's what's going to happen there. Because there's maybe some people from Portland will travel up, but I don't know if they've had, they might've had a road to Nats down there already. But, um, so that's my, my point is, is that I don't think we will see the repercussions from this weekend until the end of the month. Gotcha. Right. Like even on Sunday at the other kind of like, uh, channel fireball store in the Bay area. Um, there are only two chains at that event and Prism wins it. And there's three Bravos in the top eight, you know. Um, so that that store's meta for that day was just way different than where we saw other places because people had played elsewhere, you know, already. Yeah, and they had a lot of Boltons there.
1: And to yeah. my surprise, we didn't see a single Bolton at our event. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah.
0: we. I don't think... Yeah, again, yeah. we won't see the changes from this weekend until probably the end of the month or something like that i mean yeah then we're
1: in my opinion we're just going to see a bunch more chains take events if nobody adapts is what it seems like just based on the results from last weekend
0: i think so and i think people like uh like myself and brendan are probably not going to play chain again like we we did it you know i can play something else at the next road to nats Right. right And, like, no pressure's on and that sort of thing. So, um, we're not, like, trying to innovate and beat change. You know, also, I'm not saying I am Brendan Patrick and me are the same person, you know. I'm just saying, like, if you've won, you are either going to keep playing the same deck, I think, or you're just going to play something for fun and not try to beat stuff because you're probably also then going to the calling and nationals and, you know... Not innovating on what's going to happen. That makes sense? Sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the antithesis of kind of what my beliefs are is that you probably should like tell people how to beat it and that sort of
1: thing. Um, right. To me, I mean, to me, the calling's just so far away that people are going to learn anyway. Yeah. But maybe I mean, not. Like I think you so. said, it might take a while for people to adjust.
0: Yeah. I mean, because we were at our event, right? And some people were kind of like, whoa, you like built your. This is your own deck build, like, yeah. You know what I mean, like, yeah. You made your own deck. Yeah, yeah, we didn't net deck these. We like crafted them on our own, you know.
2: Yeah, and that makes losing easier too. You know, (laughs) it's like I don't know. Like I was like, well, I just want to see what happens, and this is a pretty weird thing, and um, yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, I'm just up to. This is this is my thing. This is my baby, and it got clobbered. you make another one. Yeah, can't can't really just pop try up again. yeah. Uh, yeah I, uh, saying
1: that as a man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh yeah, I think it's pretty interesting because it's like what what I would think we would see, right, is like more Dorinthia's Katsu's agro prisms to counter chain, you know? Um but maybe not. There's like another world, right, where you could see like leviah and Rynars come out to like crush all these control decks yeah which they would do yeah. but i think are kind of an auto loss to chain yeah so that's maybe not a very good meta call but maybe a really good call to make top eight i don't know yeah
0: you know um, yeah totally i mean we also saw this weekend sonata viscerai right takes one down great job yeah that which I think that's a pretty sick deck because you can like, you know, turn 6, have enough rune chance and sonata blood sheath and deal 40 damage. You know? That's like a way to beat chain is that you do have a proactive strategy
1: that is like a little bit faster. Yeah, like if they get you down to 2 health and then you have that turn, it's it's okay cuz you kill them.
0: <laughs> yeah, or like you're just not dead yet and you're threatening lethal yeah. and they're like have to block with all of their cards and they get down to five and then banish the right number of blood deck cards and then die, you know. Yeah. Like, that's a possibility too. I'm not, this is untested, this is theoretical, right? right. Mm-hmm. But also that Sonata deck is really hard to play into every matchup, <laughs> yeah. you know, because there's a there's a bit of variance that you have to account for and you have to have played um, them quite a
2: few times as well, so. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but also like, Bolton's kind of working on a similar strategy where he's trying to build up his soul, take a while, and then do, like, a big blowout, like, oh, double S- luminous Ascension turn. Yeah, Saber's yeah. Bolton does a OTK. yeah, Or, I guess, not OTK, but, a, yeah, a huge turn. Yeah, yeah that, and yeah. I don't think control really works against all three of those characters that are building out to a, to a huge blowout. No, not at all. So... Yeah, no. I think... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, uh, So I was going to say, like, just... I guess... Can we boil it down to a couple of, like, key talking points, like, one-liners of, like, what to do about Chain? Like... It just... It feels to me, like, control
1: is here hard in the meta. The meta is control to counter Chain, and it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's how I see it, yeah. right? It's, like, not the right strategy. It doesn't work. If people want to be changed it needs to change. <laughs> if people want to be Chained... It needs to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just you know that's like my takeaway. I think so. This. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think you can beat chain uh, with that deep control strategy, but um, you know, it's it's not going to you know potentially win you of the event if the player knows what they're doing. Is I guess the point, right? Um. So yeah, you got you. you i think bolton has a can do it but that deck's just really hard to play you know at the level you need it to be at to beat a chain right um and it also starts with like the deck build as well is also tough you know to to get it right against chain you know just from the simple standpoint that you can also do 20 damage on a turn potentially sooner than chain can and all of your charging and stuff really messes Chain up because all of his non-attack actions block for two, you know? And there's plenty of, like, cards that don't block and that sort of thing.
1: Right, and Chain is not hitting you with too many hit effects that disrupt your... Yeah, your your Bolton building. Yeah, totally.
0: They're just doing damage to you, you know? So, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But you definitely have to... Like, if you want to win, you... You either have
1: to play chain or no you can beat chain. That's yeah. that's where we're at. That's kind of always where we've been at, <laughs> hypothetically. But now just the results of last yeah. weekend, it's like yeah. that that's that's where we're at. Um Mitch, since you uh brought it up, do you have any hot
2: soundbite takeaways
1: from that you wanted to mention? Hmm.
2: Uh I, I don't think so. I think it's just uh, look out for chain. I think Bravo's gonna be there. I think you gotta Make a deck that beats Chain and Bravo. Um, yeah, yeah. As it stands now, definitely. And I, I think the answer is Katsu. But yeah, I think you can do both.
0: Agreed. Yeah, totally. I think that's a really good deck to bring. You know,
2: the mid rangey aggro Katsu for sure. Yeah. Really, really. That, that can pivot and threaten hit effects all the time. Yeah, I think that's what you have to do.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Taylor. You got any? Uh...
0: No, I just agree with you guys. I think I've done enough talking. I think we can move into our signature segments if we're ready. I'm ready. Okay, awesome. Well, we're gonna start off with uh, pick, pass, pray here. Um, which, if you're unfamiliar with this, uh, a thank you for listening for the whole hour and forty to get here. Oh dang! <laughs>
1: yeah, that yeah, totally. Yeah, um, it usually happens. <laughs> a lot of to time. <laughs>
0: totally. Uh, so. We have three cards. This is a draft scenario. I'm going to read you guys these three cards, and we're going to start with you, Mitch. you are assuming draft, pack one. Draft, pack one. Okay. Pack one, pick one. Okay? I'm going to read you the three cards. You're going to pick one, pass one, and pray that one comes back around. Okay. Everybody clear? Yes. Are you ready?
1: ready? Yes. Okay, good.
2: Clear and ready.
1: Double hell, yes. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: I'm not ready. <laughs> okay, I'm ready.
0: Okay, awesome. Uh first up, we have Ironhide Helm. It's a generic equipment headpiece, and when you defend with Iron Helm, you may pay a resource. If you do, it gains +2 and destroy it when the combat chain closes. It has zero defense naturally. Okay. Second card is Minoism Yellow. It is a generic action. It pitches for 2, costs 0, and it says the next next attack action card with three or less base power you play this turn gains plus two go again be careful who you talk down to (laughs) is its flavor text and it also defends for two our third card is vexing malice yellow pitches for two costs one attacks for two it's a rune blade attack action and it defends for three and it also deals two arcane damage to target hero so mitch since uh you're kind of the third guy here you're up first. Which one are you going to pick, which one are you going to pass, and which one are you going to pray comes back around.
2: Okay. Um, so usually when I don't know what to do, I just go with hate drafting, which is just taking the card you want to see used against you the least. <laughs> so uh, with that in mind, I would pick Vexing Malice. Um, just because uh, the two arcane damage is really big, you only get Spell Void in this set. Um, so I think arcane damage is really important. Um, uh, unrealistically pray that Ironhide Helm comes back around Um, I mean there's one equipment in each pack right so maybe you'll see that again or maybe someone will not hate draft like a second copy of Ironhide Helm I don't know anyways pray that comes back around and then uh, Minnowism I don't know yeah I'd pass on that one it's okay but blocks for two yellow I don't know not my favorite. Cool. All right. Isaac.
1: Um. Okay, so I'm going to pick Ironhide Helm. Um. Because I kind of hesitate to do this because Halo and Ebonfold might be more utility in the deck you end up running. But you also just might not get a headpiece. And uh, if you pair Ironhide Helm with, like, one or two more Ironhides, then it gets really good. Like, I played one draft with three Ironhides. And it's like... I have six more health for one pitch, you know, Um, killer. So I'm going to take that just as the safe, safe bet. Um, And then I think I'm going to pray Minnowism comes back around. Minnowism yellow is just, I mean, it's not red or blue, right? Yellows aren't great. And it, it just only shines in certain decks, right? Like, You know, much better in Bolton or Chain, maybe. But Yellow Minoism is a whole card for two damage, which may be a free card if you pair it with Belittle. But it's just, like, it's a little bit too specific for a Yellow block for two, two damage card for me. Um, But I will pick it up if it comes back, you know. Because, again, pairing it with Belittles and stuff is, like, really good to have that extra card. Uh, Vexing Malice is excellent. Blocks for three, that two Arcane is just awesome, or breaks their equipment, which is also awesome. That card's really, really good. Uh, just Yellow Vexing Malice, to me, is not one of those um, kind of break the game cards that would make me pick Chain first pack. You know, like in our last segment, I did pick Shadow averser, Um, but this just doesn't do it for me yet. If it came back around twice, you know, and there's, like, not much else in the pack. You know, i definitely yeah. take it, but uh, just not not enough. So which one are you picking? Ironhide Helm. And then your praying Minnowism comes okay, back. Okay, cool. Yeah. cool. cool. I just got lost in the weeds there a little bit. Well, i just taking
0: you on that journey. <laughs> yeah, totally. Through those weeds. Good journey. Thanks for <laughs> getting me to the clearing. <laughs> uh, so for me... All right, champ. Uh, Falcon. Back. Oof. Ka-ka. Uh, I'm going to pick Minnowism. Uh, it just it leaves me really open and would be a really good card in chain really good card in bolton uh there's a lot of generics that have low attack power that it would be fine with um you know i i think it's pretty good i don't have to be married to it i just think it's like keeps me open you know to to what's happening and then there's these other cards uh in this pack as well that we'll see um with that being said though i am gonna pray that vexing malice comes back around because now i have with minnowism a uh, six damage turn for one resource and two cards uh and that's like pretty awesome in this draft where uh you just can't block the two arcane and six damage might be three cards because so many cards block for two um and i'm gonna pass on the iron helm uh, I don't want to waste a uh, pick on a pretty good piece of equipment, but only that gets good if I run maybe Prism and or if I have Ironhide, more Ironhide uh, also. So that's the one I'm going to pass on. Even though it is an equipment piece, and I think sometimes picking equipment turn one, uh, especially generic, is a good idea because uh, it definitely makes a difference, but... I think the upside of Minnowism and Vexing Malice is greater than Ironhide Helm. So,
2: Nice three going. differing
0: opinions. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, and in case you noticed there was no rares in there, it was... uh Vexing it, Malice is a was, rare. It was. Okay, so yeah. there was a Herald of Triumph also. Oh, yeah. That was top of the pack. That's probably what I would have picked. But <laughs> you just took that out, so... <laughs>
0: okay, fine. Uh, okay, great job, everybody. Uh, our next
1: signature segment... Board game from the closet. It's a little echoey in here where we're recording today, so I wanted to do that. (laughs) Um, So here at the Attack Action Podcast, Um, we love many, many board games. We don't just play Flesh and Blood. We have whole closets for board games. And, um, you know, we like to recommend some, share some with you. Uh, So today, we're going to share, you know, this isn't like our favorite board game or the best in the world, but it's a game we really love. And uh, since we have a guest today, Mitch is going to pitch a board game from the closet.
2: Uh, I am. Uh, I'm going to change gears and I'm going to not be the one you were thinking I was (laughs) going (laughs) to do. Just for fun, I'm going to highlight Zombicide. I don't know if you guys have covered that one yet. Oh, no, no. No. I think there's a second edition or something that just came out that might have streamlined the setup a little more. That was probably one of the worst parts about the game. But it, it's just kind of like a, it's like an arcadey sort of um, like zombie shooter situation where you have like a small like city map and you're you play a couple of characters and you like run around, shoot tons of zombies, like grab machine guns and grenades and like Molotov cocktails and like just try to like find the stuff you need and like escape in a car or like get out of there. Cause it's just like, as the game goes on, everything gets harder. There's like 50 different zombie pieces coming at you. And it's, it's pretty fun. Um, You're just rolling like, Oh, I've got two Uzis, roll 10 dice, spray down like five zombies. Half of them are crippled and they're still crawling at you. And it's just, it's fun. Um, It's not super serious or strategic. I've played this game with you, and it is really fun. It kind of feels
1: like you're in a Left for Dead board game. It's just like zombie action
2: movie fun. Um, yeah. With like your buddies. A, like a Zombieland situation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Cool. So you,
1: you can cover the other one next time. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll have more experience in it anyway. Yeah. Um, well... That's our show. No, I I do have a Riddle Me This.
0: Oh, Um, snap. Which
1: we've talked about a lot before, maybe not on the show. It's not about a specific card in particular, but um, uh, just from a design perspective, you'll notice with some cards like uh, Command and Conquer, Enlightened Strike, and Celestial Cataclysm, these cards all block for three, right? Um, Very, very powerful cards that also block for three but then certain other generic majestics like exude confidence and rouse the ancients only block for 2. And I'm just wondering why um because the block for 2s are not more used or seemingly more powerful. So I don't know. Riddle me this. Like where in the designer's head's, you know, why did they design it like that? Because, you know, command and conquer could block for 2 and would still be run, right? So why does rouse the ancients block for 2? it'll be
2: this good question i think the ancients would be much more broad and therefore able to take more damage yeah maybe not maybe not the little guy rousing it's a whole mountain you know but
0: uh yeah interesting choice that's a great question
2: yeah
1: i mean great job i mean they're they're really good cards so they made a block for three anyway because they're really good i guess yeah but some of them don't yeah i
0: don't yeah good question hopefully the uh Listeners have an answer for us.
1: Yeah, and the developers will get back to us. On that <laughs> yeah, <part>. totally.
0: <laughs> uh, well, that's our show. Again, thank you guys. Thanks the team. Uh, now the podcast has some actual street cred from the 80 Road to Nats win. So hopefully, people start to recognize what's happening.
1: Over yeah, there. we'll get a promo. Come Can on, a spoiler or yeah, a spoiler. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need a unique promo. Yeah, totally. But do we get a spoiler now? You do want the Falcon of the West immortalized <laughs> in gold foil? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: plug our stuff, outro guy.
1: Oh, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Is that it? Are we on any more social media? We have a Gmail account, the Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we have a Patreon page. Uh Thank you so much to all of our patrons. Um, we do not have any new patrons for a while now, so please come out. The, the base entry level is $4, and uh, we hang out in our discard, Discord and have uh, uh, monthly or bimonthly Battle Broke tournaments that we participate in. Um, so just 4 bucks a month really helps keep the show going. Uh, please uh, donate to our Patreon. Um, we have... a uh, Partnership with Fab Foundry. Uh, there will be an affiliate link in the show notes. Uh, in order to support our show, just find our show, click the affiliate link, and then do your shopping. It takes one extra second. Just go do it. Yep.
0: I would like to. Our Discord is excellent. <laughs> I have I have so much fun in there with our patrons. Um, thank you guys for making that a great community. If that's something that's interested to you. Um, I know it kind of sucks that maybe it's behind a paywall, but it's what kind of is making it actually really special um, is the community that we're fostering there. So if that's something that interests you, it's it's really great. It's, it's not all the noise from the Facebook group. It's not all the noise from the main discord. You know, it's a really great filter on, you know, the fun and important stuff that's a part of flesh and
1: blood. Totally, and as we've said before, we're very anti-paywall here, right? So we're, like, very much trying to keep all of our content totally free, and then the Discord was, like, a you know, extra bonus for patrons. Um, uh, Taylor especially shares quite a few, like, good resources, and so I've found the Discord to be, like, a, uh, you know... When there's a new devastation video or there's a new, like, very highly skilled rune blade gameplay video that comes out, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff gets shared. So it's, like, valuable in that way, too. Yeah, um, Totally. And, yeah, a lot of fun. It's yeah. a hoot.
2: <laughs> I have $5 in my wallet. Can I get on your Discord? <laughs> yeah, for yeah, this <laughs> month. Yeah, for this month. No, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate all of you... Um, We're coming up on our one-year anniversary of doing the podcast at the end of the month. Uh, We have nothing special planned. We will just do another tournament report like this from our another Road to Nats at the end of the month. Um, But again, thank you. We appreciate everybody who's been there this whole time on our flesh and blood journey. I mean, you can go back and listen to episodes one through four and, you know, see where we've come from now to, uh, you know going to a road to nationals and stuff so just
1: young pups <laughs> yeah now we're full-grown falcons <laughs> to j- split analogies <laughs>
0: that's gonna be a, another great sticker full-grown falcon <laughs> <laughs> write that down <laughs> <laughs> uh okay uh we'll talk to you guys uh at the end of the month
1: goodbye bye later